if we're present in work, we're our most potent self. We're not distracted by what the goal is at that point in time. We've set the goal, we've come back to then just being in the moment of on the journey to, to achieving the goal, or we're not distracted by multitasking or a conversation that we just had, you know. So so it's an incredibly powerful space from a business perspective or an organizational perspective, charities, NGOs, etc. Um, and in relationship it's it's such an important place for us to be in. Welcome back to the Map and the Territory podcast. Now, the present moment is really all we can directly experience. But so many of us spend our lives in stories about the past or rumination and forecasting about our futures. And we miss out on the potential of what's in front of us right now. So... It's with this in mind, I was really excited to sit down with Alan Reaver. Alan is one of Australia's leaders in the field of purpose and presence. He's a public speaker, mentor, facilitator, entrepreneur, and father. He works in the corporate and not-for-profit spaces, helping individuals, teams to learn how to become more present and to access the benefits that deep presence unlocks in performance, culture and relationships. And we touch on all of that and more in this wide ranging conversation. And before we get into that, just a uh, bit of housekeeping and a uh, plug for Leaders for Good. Leaders for Good is uh, my new Venture with my uh, co-founder and partner Kerry Boys. We started Leaders for Good because we saw the potential in organisations, the massive untapped reservoirs of resources to do more good, drive more social impact, sustainability, whatever language is meaningful for you in the world. And we also saw the great longing and the great desire of many many leaders to do that sort of work to have more meaning to have more purpose um, and to leave a legacy that they're truly proud of so we offer um, a community we offer training and certification um, for leaders looking to embed that kind of purpose in their in their working lives if you want to learn more about Leaders for Good, um, and I'm sure we'll be speaking about it more on future podcasts, go to leadersforgood.org. But without further ado, um, let's get into today's episode, a conversation with Alan Reaver. Um, welcome back to another episode of The Map and the Territory. Um, and Today I'm joined by Alan Reaver. Alan, how are we going? I'm good, thanks, mate. Thank you so much for having me and for bringing me down to the university. I've never been down to this part, and it's um, I don't walk around earlier through the old buildings. It's stunning, and the gardens. It's uh, we we jokingly call it our our backyard. So we have this this big fancy playground <laughs> behind our house, and this makes up for urban living without a uh, without a spacious backyard yeah. of our own. It's, it must be lovely to have all this space, you know, just to be able to get it, out into. 
it, it's it's nice, and particularly now with a little one in the house. I mean, he's he's not old enough to enjoy it yet. He's uh, well beyond the the walks around with mum and dad, but um, you know, he's little Bodie's eight weeks old now. <laughs> so um, the potential for him to come over here when he's a bit older and have a have a kick around in the fields yeah. and, a, and a run and all the rest of it is uh, yeah, it's 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 beautiful. We yeah consider ourselves pretty lucky. Yeah, it's and and also when you went at that stage as well for you guys to have space to be able to get out into because the because mm. the kind of there are times sleep deprivation and all the rest of it that you know the walls <laughs> can kind of close in a bit in early like because because as parents we're always learning sure no, no one really kind of gives us the heads up as to what's going to happen when you get the little guy or girl home right for the first time like they'll tell you stuff but you're probably not listening and then the experience is something that is unbelievable teaches mm. us a lot but you also need to find a whole new series of rhythms and rituals and practices that kind of help us and help you stay you know to fill yourself up mm. so you can be there for him and for your wife as well yeah, absolutely correct the um the the, the new rhythms are are, are forming <laughs> as we as we speak i wouldn't say they're solidified yet and i was saying to saying to cat my partner the other day the the, the the kind of the lesson you learned very on very early on or we did was that you just when you figured think you have it figured out it shifts again and at the moment he's going through so many you know minor developmental stages so it's like oh we've got the feeding nailed and next week no no we very much don't uh, but the the space has been um, this park has been our sanctuary during lockdown and mm. during covid as well um, especially when cat was you know uh, the late stages of pregnancy yeah, of being able to hop out and go for a walk and have a have a nice uh, sort of green green leafy place that's right on the doorstep of our house has been um yeah again feel 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 very fortunate for, for yeah that. that's such a important daily routine to kind of have anyway mm. and even more so during covid mm. you know when we've had lockdown and i guess a lot of things have been magnified for us all right? and just to be able to get out even for a few moments mm. you know we know we always feel better whether it's a park beach forest mm -hmm. doesn't really matter i mean you can actually i find sometimes even if i if i just look out the window you know, look up at the clouds, if that's all I've got access to, mm. just for a few moments and breathe and just, mm -hmm. you know, come back to myself, it changes, certainly changes the day. It, do, it does change the day. Um, we were talking about before we hit record the the kind of set and setting and the environment and even even recording the podcast here in the in the uni even though the you know there might be a little traffic noise bleeding into the uh, <laughs> bleeding into the audio but being outside in in this space and, and not being in uh, my my kind of like loft staring at zoom there's a, <laughs> there's, a, there's a different there's a different connection and there's you know there's no no substitute despite what we were all telling ourselves for a few months for being face to face with no somebody. no i mean i think technology has a great place doesn't it in mm. helping us stay connected but what we need to kind of keep reminding ourselves is the depth of connection that mm. you have so mm. so so technology helps broad connection happen but it's often a shallow connection it's certainly shallow in comparison to mm. on a personal level being out in nature i mean it's the same thing as you watch a beautiful documentary and you're blown away by it, but it'd be much better to be there. Yes. And it's the same thing in human, you know, like it's great to chat to people on Zoom or, mm. you know, whether it's friends through social media or whatever else it is, mm. but to actually sit and connect and spend time with people, it's, it's a completely different experience.
I, you just reminded me of something. I listened to uh, I listened to an interview with Hugh Jackman the other day. Yeah. Um, he's a real interesting chap. Um, I'd not really heard him speak as a you know through his own his own words yeah. <laughs> much. You know, I'd, I'd seen him seen him play Wolverine and stab some people <laughs> in the face. Um, but he was talking about he loves puzzles, and he was talking about he's gotten into having um, his favorite places, particularly natural places, printed up on jigsaw puzzles and and kind of gifting them to to his wife or himself and the the level of noticing from building that place and the level of like he said you'll never look at the the natural environment that you're so familiar with or you think you're so familiar with and you're so intimate with in the same way that as when you've had to make a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle out of it <laughs> i love that i i love that too i was like there's there's something about that kind of my the the the, the forced attention on, mm. the, on the on the micro noticing and on the on the very minutiae of the detail that i thought was yeah i thought was really interesting. Like incredible kind of practice of presence isn't it because mm. we when we're distracted we miss so much and if you're yes you say if you're sitting in front of a thousand piece puzzle you're only with that one piece of that environment at that True. point in time yeah. and then when you go back to it of course mm. either it's there or it's changed because the seasons have changed or something but the lens that you must look at it through yeah, that's lovely, isn't it? I, I thought so. Better I than stabbing so. people in the faces with a big piece <laughs> with of Wolverine. <laughs> with, with, with your adamantium <laughs> bone claws. Um, so, uh, Alan, we met through... Um, uh, this is becoming a familiar intro for my guests so far on the pod, podcast, but we met through the Networking in Nature um, Gone Bush events. Yeah. And... Um, it was funny. There was a serendipitous moment. I was I was chatting with John, who who would have been on the previous episode to this, and uh, chatting about him him coming on the podcast. And he said, "You know who else you should talk to about coming on the podcast? You should talk to Alan." And that very morning, um, just by pure coincidence, you'd commented on something that I'd posted on LinkedIn. Ah, and, yes, yeah, and, yeah. And we'd we just had a friendly friendly back and forth. Um, so it, the serendipity seemed to smile and. Uh, I tap you up, and here you are, gracious with your time and uh, and, and your energy and your presence. So, um, yeah, that's a bit of bit of a uh, bit of kind of framing and context for, yeah. for the listener. Well, I'm super grateful to be here. Mm. I'm also really always grateful for John's friendship, and mm. Mm. he's always so kind. You know, he's such a great. He sees and feels connections that uh, he, you know, like that might be fun and rewarding for people, mm, mm. and he just follows that and, and and puts it out in the world. And I think that um, it's always a great lesson that serendipity is there for us. I kind of experience always. Yeah, yeah. it's just how open we are to it, mm. whether we miss it or not, because we've got our head stuck in the phone or, or or in 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 a thought pattern that has blinded us to the magic that's out there in every moment. So I feel, mm. you know. This is fun. Thank you. Thank you. And we, we've inadvertently kind of stumbled across and touched into some of the topics that I, I wanted to wanted to sort of pick your brains on today. And um, we'll we'll go back there via whatever whatever route the conversation <laughs> takes us. But I'm going to ask you the. You know what? I, I, so I asked this to John um, on the last podcast, and he his immediate response was, "I hate that question," um, <laughs> which is the sort of you know the barbecue question of yeah. you know what what do you do for a living? And I hate that question too. And my response to John, which I'm still standing behind, is kind of that's why I ask it a mm. little bit because it it is slightly uncomfortable. Um, and <laughs> yeah. it, it's incomplete and, and it, 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 it forces a sort of very myopic um, kind of, I, I guess, lens on you. 
and and in in the context of the barbecue question or the networking mm. event it is it is a what can you do for me kind of mm. quite, or that that seems to be the intention from a lot of people yeah but um i might try and phrase it in a different way how would you describe the work you do with individuals what 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 do you what do you aim to do through your mm. through your work so I'm happy with both questions. Okay, great. <laughs> I may not have been, you know, some time back or something. Sure. But um, my my work is really around um, my own life journey. Okay. And mm. um, so a lot of the, I guess, the time that I spend with people, individuals, teams, or organizations as a whole um, are around presence. mm and around how we can be truly present in this moment so that in the different streams of life, so if we're present in work, we're our most potent self. Mm, mm. We're not distracted by what the goal is at that point in time. We've set the goal, we've come back to then just being in the moment of on the journey to, to achieving the goal or we're not distracted by multitasking or a conversation that we just had, you know, so... So it's an incredibly powerful space from a business perspective or an organizational perspective, charities, NGOs, et cetera. Mm. Um, and in relationship, it's, it's such an important place for us to be. And it's, in, and it's, it's hard because mm. there's so much going on in life, especially when you've got a, a little one. Mm. But it's hard no matter what the context. But when we're present in relationship, we're really, we know what it feels like. You know, we're truly there for the people that we love most. Mm -hmm. And when we're there, we can feel them, we can hear them, we can support them, and we can love them more. We have more of ourselves to give through presence. Mm, mm. And then on an individual perspective, when we're really present with ourselves, all of the identities and the stories that we've kind of created, they dissolve in those moments or they mm. get softer. Mm, mm. And it enables us to kind of get to some of that, those things that people are often searching for which is stuff like what your purpose is mm -hmm. or just how to create a more joyful, peaceful life that's full mm. you know like mm. full of of good stuff mm. uh and that's so that's really the work that i do it's in those and it's in those three different areas it's in it's in organizations or business it's um in relationship perspectives and it's um it's on on a personal perspective as well and they, they cross over yeah because of, of course you can be the same person in all three streams i certainly am and um yeah that's that's really i guess the work that i do that sounds great. How do I get some of that? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, thank you. That that was a uh, uh, that was I think the, the most succinct and, and potted um, <laughs> version of uh, of, a, of an unpacking of presence I think I've heard. So um, so th thank you for that. that was, right. And there's there's certainly a lot of jumping off points <laughs> we can we can get to. Um, Maybe we'll start with so you you uh, I think over the last couple of months or during the during the COVID lockdown you published a short um, a short book yeah um, yeah creating peace in an uncertain world that, that's right yeah. and there was eleven practices I believe in that book I think there were yeah yeah there was it was sort of set out as ten practices but I did pack like four I think into the mindfulness section yeah and but I think yeah. there was a sneaky one at the end which was do your own do your own yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. the secret eleventh practice that's it and I thought. Um, as a road to ground because uh, topics like presence and topics of like mindfulness can be can veer into the esoteric mm. for, for people and I'm I'm more than happy to yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm more than happy to go there and I, I suspect a lot of a lot of our listeners probably are as well yeah. 
but I always find value in the grounding of those topics in in some practices and in the in the day to day. Absolutely, because the day to day, the moment, the moment is is where we experience those things. Yeah, is where we experience presence. Well, there's there's nowhere else to experience. No, it. no. So, um, if it's all right with you, maybe we could jump in and um, and kind of explore through those yeah, through sure. those lenses. Um, so I've, 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 I kind of made some I made some notes or I can rely on uh, our collective memory but yep. <laughs> the, uh, the the first the first of the practice was uh, practice was around switching off mm. um, and I think at a at a sort of tactical practical level it can be it can be quite obvious what we mean by switching off with relation to presence yep. so we can you know oh, we're more presence when we're, we're more present if we you know if we put our phone on airplane mode etc etc um but i was wondering if you could dive into that and sort of explore a little bit for us yeah yeah sure um so just kind of stepping taking one step back if i can just around the practicality of it yeah you know i think that's really important because um sometimes these things like mindfulness or presence or whatever you know anything in that area can actually create a disconnect for people mm. um, because they are seen as something that they don't subscribe to. Mm. It's too spiritual. It's too hard. I can't meditate. Mm. I'm too busy. All these sorts of things, and that was where the the intent for the book came. Was um, these practices help in life? And as COVID was kind of hitting Australia we saw a lot of, um, I guess, kind of less compassionate behaviors, the hoarding and all those sorts mm, of things. Mm. There was a lot of fear that you could feel on the streets as well. It was palpable. It really it, was, it, wasn't it? it? The, the, there was a real sense of othering and, and kind of unclean and people averting their eyes. It was, the, yeah. it was almost tangible. It was, mm. Yeah, there was so much fear that was kind of there. And um, I remember um, I was doing my morning practice which includes going, I live in DY, Mm. uh, very near the beach, and there's a beautiful series of rocks there that you can get to Mm. that um, is kind of a rock shelf that then kind of melds into the ocean. Mm. Stunning. The Mm. whales come past at the moment. Dolphins are out this morning. Oh, beautiful. Sunrise coming up. But So I, um, yeah, I was sitting there enjoying the sunrise and I'd had a little meditation and I had this sort of experience where I saw the world and I saw seven and a half billion people Mm. and in the very next moment they each chose to do something for someone else Mm. and it was Mm. just like this glow you know it was just so beautiful just kind of sitting there and experiencing this Mm. and um, it was so different to what was happening in the streets and in the supermarkets and um, and that was kind of what without realizing as I walked back to the cafe it was before the shutdown of the cafes or, or takeaway only cafes that was what kind of gave rise to the book and uh, and and the book was about if that's a world that we want to create then we have to come back to the most important thing which is us as individuals and that thing about you know we need to take responsibility to change our own lives Mm. and we we can do that and we can create more peace and more joy and more positivity in our lives by putting some simple practices in. So we have healthy habits mm-hmm. and we have less healthy habits or unhealthy habits. Sure. And so that was really the, 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 the background to the book itself mm. um, and the context of it. 
And one of the very first things, and it was written for everyone. Mm. It wasn't written to be a mindfulness book. It was written so that any person down the pub, yep. in a workplace, could pick it up and actually just remember mm. these practices because we all know them. There's nothing, there's no, there's no rocket science in it. No, it's no. just that we need to remember them and then kind of bring them back into our daily rhythms. That was that was certainly my experience picking up the book yeah. as well. Very very accessible. Um, very clear. I mean, I, I I sort of blazed through it very very quickly, and um, but still remi- was reminded of, uh, of of some of the practices that I could perhaps put more emphasis on mm, and, yeah. and and uh, and come back to. So yeah, I can I can I can I can point to that. And thank you for jumping in with the context around the book as That's well. Right. That was I I, I was uh, I was I was keen to get straight to the practical yeah, no, no. Time, which is which is which is a le- which is a, again uh, I guess an expression of presence in the moment around my own uh, my own biases <laughs> and my own <laughs> my well, own I, tendencies. And I and the reason I wanted to, to sort of start with that because it does bring it into the practical which is what can mm. we do as individuals? to create more peace, more joy, and more positivity mm. in each moment. Mm. And we do that through the practical. And so if the first, the first little practice is around switching off, mm. it's our relationship with um, our phones and all things, our watches or whatever they are these days, are all things digital. Mm. And as we touched on earlier, the connectivity that we have through technology is an incredible enabler. However, also it becomes something that really starts to reduce our ability to be present in the moment because mm. of its addictive nature absolutely and so um it's something that we can all do it's something that i still struggle with day in day out because Same. because it's addictive sure yeah, I, mean, I remember actually we had a conversation at one of the networking and nature things where mm. um you, you mentioned that you'd been pretty good and you would kind of almost been on a bit of a let's just call it a digital detox, but you'd, you know, you'd, you'd been mindful with your use of technology and then you'd done a few posts and blogs yeah. and then you found yourself checking for like, you know, how many people had liked it and all those sorts of things. Absolutely, right? yeah, yeah. And so it's something that, that is always going to be there for us. Mm-hmm. So it's not, again, all these practices, they're not things that you, you just master and they're, they're done for good, right? No. You, you've always got to keep in, in the habit of them. And also when you, when you drop out, don't worry about it. No. You know, just go, all right, cool. I'll come back to that and you, and you bring it back into your life. So switching off is, is really that simple. It's, and I find it's most helpful around the start and the end of the day. Mm, mm. So how I start the day really sets up my day and how I end the day also seems to flow into not only just great sleep patterns, which we all know are super helpful on a mental, emotional and physical health perspective, but also helps me in how I start the next day. Mm. So my, my practice I try to, to, to work to is that um, and any, it, this could be 10 minutes for someone. Okay, so for me personally, I try and do an hour to two hours without turning the phone on mm. in the morning when mm-hmm. I wake up. I wake up pretty early, like 5, 5.30. Um, but even if you were just to, to be mindful about not turning your phone on for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes when you wake up, and at that point, if you're in relationship, maybe you turn to the person that you love and just tell them how much, how much you love them mm. or you're, you know, some kind of how grateful for you are that, you know, that, that, that you're there together in that moment. You know, that, mm. that already is bringing drops of positivity into your day mm. Mm. versus which is easy to do. Your phone is your alarm and you turn it on and then you flick it onto off airplane mode. And next thing you know, you've, you've, you're lost in that tunnel, tunnels, endless tunnels of, of information. It, it, and it switches the brain on but it switches everything else off 
it's amazing how and this comes back to one of the things we touched on previously which was just when you figured well i was talking about bodhi just when you think you've got things figured out they evolve Mm. and social media in particular you know the awareness that well new platforms get launched but the the existing ones you might be on there are teams of engineers working on how to make these things more addictive more sticky more you know uh, for us to spend more of our heartbeats on there and um so being mindful of that for one and and the the medium too so you know i've got my little ipad here and it's wonderful and it's got its you know its little pencil Mm -hmm. and i can i can write my i got into the uh, the habit of writing my my morning journal in it so i I used to use a paper journal and i've 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 kind of slowly transitioned to taking most of my notes on this thing um i tell myself because it's more environmentally friendly and that's partially true but also i'm a giant child who likes his toys um but but using that in the morning i found myself then going down the rabbit hole because immediately accessible was the dopamine hit of the the social networks of checking email and you know i was i'm in my bedroom with you know with 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 my beautiful partner and our little baby so um yeah over the last few weeks i've just been reverted back to paper journaling in the morning because it, it doesn't it doesn't take me out of that moment and that that moment of connection uh, you know and i can have my moment of reflection and then have my moment of connection and um yeah 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 it's and it's it is it's it's tricky because it's so easy right it's accessible Mm. it's easy we can tell ourselves stories that it's more environmentally friendly it may well be sure um but if it takes you out of experiencing what it is to enjoy your little boy mm. at eight weeks old yeah. for a few moments, yeah. or your you know your partner who you love. Mm. That's those are the those are the really important questions to ask because those then multiply mm. over the years, mm-hmm. and that's when you get to a point when you suddenly you can stop and look back and realize you may have missed some fairly fundamental stuff. And you're missing it on behalf of what I, I'm remember reminded of the f- I was listening to. Uh, um, Joseph Goldstein, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he was he was he was doing a, a, a Dharma talk, and uh, he was uh, he was recounting the tale of the the fisherman and the businessman. Uh, you know that one? No, the, no, tell me about it. The um, there's a, a fisherman on on the beach, and this is somewhere in the Caribbean, and he he's come on on his little fishing boat, and he's 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 brought his catch in, and he's on the beach barbecuing up the fish with his family and laughing and all the rest of it, and the businessman goes, "Wow, this is fantastic." He's like, um, "You know, uh, how many fish do you catch a day?" And he's like, "Oh." You you know just to, just enough to feed the family and and everything and he's like oh well you know why don't you buy a why don't you buy a sort of a second rod and you could catch some more fish and sell them at the market and he's like oh why would i do that and it's like well then you could buy a, a net and you could catch even more fish and sell them at the market and he's like and then what and it's like well you could you could buy a second boat and you could employ some people and you could catch even more fish and sell them at the market and then so and so on and you could buy a factory and he's like and then what he's like well and then you could retire and barbecue fish with your family on the beach <laughs> um and i i, lo- I love that tale because yeah. it just points to the sort of fundamental truth that what we have is enough and what we have is often right in front of us <laughs> and we we spend our, a lot of our time engaged in hamster wheel like activities to get somewhere we think we need to go yeah it's yeah, it's a lovely story that isn't it because there is there's so much that's just waiting for us in the moment mm. um and that's not to say that doing work is not important and is not enriching mm. it, it's a part of our lives True. and technology is something that enables us to do that but it's not all our life. And mm. I think that's often, especially when I kind of get into the corporate world, a lot of the challenges are is people are finding it really hard to switch off. Mm. Mm. And so therefore they get depleted, mm. you know, both kind of mentally, 
and then from mental to emotional to physical. And that's in part, you know, this kind of, this continuous cycle of busyness mm. uh, and of searching for growth rather than kind of consciously understanding what you want your business to be and how it can go on that journey. Mm. Um, that's what leads to stress and leads to overwhelm and, mm. and, and, and is a part one of the doorways to the mental health issues that we see in work. Mm. It's because we're always mm. on, you know, it's like, it's like if you were a marathon runner, an expert marathon runner, you wouldn't go running for 10, 12 hours a day, mm. five or six days a week and expect to be in tip top form. Sure. Yeah. And our brain is the same thing. Mm. You know, our brain needs downtime. Absolutely. And that's why switching off is important mm. because it's not making it spark at that point in time. And actually what you get to do is when you're like sitting and watching your little boy like smile back at you and you're just in that moment with, with him, you're thoughtless, mm. you know, because all you can be is you can just be present in their presence. And that just fills you up so much. But also that thoughtlessness, you know, that, that kind of wordlessness in your, in your head is giving you downtime it's replenishing your mind so that when you need to switch it on like your technology mm. it's there and ready for you yeah uh, and what what comes up for me about that story is is as you say it's not the lack of it's not the lack of doing and the lack of the lack of work as a as a means to mm. fulfillment because one of the seeming truths about humanity and our our nature is that some degree of um uh, overcoming and some degree of striving um is is seems to be ingrained in in okay. our in our in our dna in our being so it's more the gratitude and appreciation so the the, the appreciating what you have being the great being grateful for yeah. what you have and, and not 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 discounting or or, or or being blind to that while at the same time being more present as well with the work you do as you say and and work then takes on a completely different tenor. It, it, it takes on a, uh, it, it, in fact, you come alive more to the work because it's coming from a, a, a deeper well or, yeah. a, or, a, or, a, or a very different well than the, the well of kind of story and societal expectation that, you're, that you might be drawing from um, otherwise. Yeah, I feel like when, when you're doing something because you truly want to be doing it, not because you feel that it's an expectation on you. Mm. It's a com it comes from a completely different space. So yeah, the the intent, the energy that you bring to that is 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 so different. I mean, mm. there's a lot of research, isn't there, that's been done around when people pass. What are their you know what are the big reflections? Mm. And I think it often comes up that the number one regret is that they lived a life that they thought others that was expected of them mm. by mm. others, mm. and not the life that they wanted to live. Sure. And so yeah, absolutely by coming back and knowing feeling who you are and what you want to be in your work is so critical to happiness and to joy and it's a, it's a journey sure we can't all throw our job away tomorrow and no i mean you know i spent spent many many years doing doing different work doing consulting work and marketing work and all sorts of stuff which i really enjoyed same yeah and um i still do yeah you know? and I, I enjoyed the people that i met along the way and it's like it's it's helped me walk towards where I am now and who knows where I'll be in 10 years time some of the work I'm doing at the moment <clears throat> and for a conversation offline actually I'd want to pick your brains about this but a new venture I'm starting up in the social enterprise space is around helping leaders um, where they are now 
maximize the good they can do in mm. the world and kind of leverage the power of the organizations they're in yeah. um but it, but it is about starting where you it's about meeting yourself where you are um i think i think a lot of um not the pushback but the the hesitation i hear from people with regards to the work of mindfulness of presence of self-development is is that there's a almost an expectation there intrinsic that if i'm not good at it straight away that <laughs> that's not for me yeah. and i hear that with most of all with regards to meditation yep. um because it's a it's a nice easy example to ground this in but people sit down and they download the headspace app and they um you know they they fire it up and they spend 10 minutes um getting distracted by their own thoughts think they failed and and, yeah. and don't go back to it um i had that very same conversation with my beautiful 15 year old daughter during mm. the week up at up at seal rocks when we we take some time out every year to be with each other individually so ayana and i and then noah who's my son and i mm. nayeli who's my partner and i and then as well as you know a oh, bigger beautiful. unit as well yeah but um yeah we we we, we have kind of have an ongoing conversation and and her, her response to meditation is that she can't do it because because mm. she, she thinks too much sure yeah and it's a it's a fascinating thing again um, because meditation is not about not thinking. No. At least it's not from my experience. Mm. Um, meditation is about becoming aware that you're thinking and aware that you have thoughts and that your thoughts are not you. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, like the first part of meditation or one of the first steps is the, the kind of creating a separation or an awareness between you and your thoughts, you and your emotions, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that you're not caught in them. Yes, and and so the thoughts are almost like a metaphor and analogy for technology, like you know we get caught up in it, like we get caught up in our thoughts, and and so, yeah, it's um, it's a challenging thing, because especially for the Western mind, because we're so goal orientated, mm -hmm. and so if we don't mm -hmm. achieve that goal quickly, quite often we can drop off, you know, yes. and, and and go and chase some other goal, and that's again if you come back to the the book, there's a there's a a little couple of chapters or practices around kind of mindfulness mm. and i always find that the most the easiest way to step into any of those sorts of practices is to do what you're doing what you normally do and just do them slightly differently mm. so for example walking meditation or mindful walking we all walk every day and so the book talks about and i do this this work with with a lot of people is that when you're off on your daily walk just take 20 steps or take 50 steps just just take a period of that walk and then just walk slower than you've ever walked before and then on a side note how how hard do some people find that practice i know, <laughs> I know. but but if you if and again it's like it's it's a practice mm. so you just you just do it day by day mm, take mm. 20 paces walk slower than you've ever walked before and then start to feel your feet touching the ground yep and then you may well then start to hear the birds singing or you might hear the ocean or you might hear the wind but by the end of those 20 paces or 50 paces you've actually just meditated mm. just bringing mm. your attention away from the busy mind you've done it you've done it by doing a practice that you do every day mm. and I, I i brought this into the, the the working world when i was running companies and um, if I was going for a board meeting or for a big presentation, any, any of those kind of like high stress moments where sure. your mind is then in over, you probably had too much caffeine as well, but your mind's in over, you know, o overload over time. I would take the last steps in the corridor and I already knew what I 
needed to know. Mm. So rehearsing it wasn't going to help me at that point in time. Not really. No. So I'd, I'd take, again, I'd take the last 10, 20, 30, 40 paces along the corridor before I got into that room just to do that practice, mm. a little walking meditation. And it helped me just walk in calmer, more centered, and it created so much more clarity for me because I was able to hear people and then respond to them as well rather than just try and force my point upon them, you know. But it also just made the experience more enjoyable. Sure. Because I wasn't tense mm. trying to get through it or trying to win. I was actually just much more relaxed and able to see what was in front of me. Mm. And I think it's such a helpful place, especially in the work. You know, the workplace is a really important place to be able to do that because there's so much stress and tension from the external environment. Mm. The other place that I find really helps people and we had a lovely group actually with John up in uh, up in Queensland um, on a couple of couple of days up in Rainbow Beach, mm. and um, one of the things that really kind of connected with the with the teachers um, was to do this for the last twenty paces before you get in the front door at home. Mm. So you know, like we mm. you know we walk at home, we're walking home mm. slightly different now with working from home and COVID, but traditionally sure. you're walking home. And you've still got your to-do list buzzing in your head from the day before. And tomorrow's is already downloading as well, right? You just got everything going on. And so that's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. But the moment of walking through the door is only the moment of walking through the door where you greet your loved one or where your kids come and give you a hug or whatever else it is. And are you really there for them? Mm. And so in the last 20 or 30 paces, same thing, switch off your mobile phone or, or your watch or whatever it is. Just walk slowly and just enjoy slowing down for those last paces as you feel your hand kind of open the front door and walk in with a smile, you know, and, and that can be so transformative to you being present for all the magic that's going to unfold with your relationships when you walk in that door. I, th I think that's even more important at the moment. I, I think I shared this on one of the webinars we were on together, but, you know, just being in my uh, my little loft office <laughs> yeah. and the, the transition of leaving leaving there and, you know, whenever I'm done with work for that particular mm. day and, and, and moving downstairs and, and, and taking that time to take those steps quite mindfully. I need to take the steps mindfully anyway because the steps up to my <laughs> loft are, are extremely <laughs> steep and if I don't, I will... Oh, uh, H&S issue. Yeah, I would, uh, I, would, uh, I would likely come across at some point um but but that's, that's a nice forcing function but uh, yeah I, I i completely agree with that that um you know that the the portal or the uh, the transition point or whatever whatever that is for you and uh, just to bring emphasis to the idea of practice as well and i i heard the term um and i, I kind of i like it because it it it's a useful analogy for people, but spiritual athlete. Mm -hmm. So some people seem to, um, you know, to, to, to have the look of being a, a natural spiritual athlete. So they sit down, the first time they sit down to meditate, they it clicks for them they're, they're able to notice their thoughts notice their feelings the sensations whatever whatever the practice is they 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 they, they get it um and other people seem to struggle themselves with it um and who's getting the most benefit out of that session aside but um we can all improve and we can all you know we can all make progress on our um you know on our in our spiritual practices so um to, to hold, take and hold the frame that these are practices and something that that need to be cultivated is uh, I think an important one yeah I think um, the sports analogy is a it's a good one especially in Australia sure um, and um, whether you are 
the spiritual athlete who it initially comes easily to mm. like any athletics like any sport the more you practice the more you get out of it mm. and the same thing if you're finding it challenging and the thing is is with with stuff like meditation is you'll go through phases where you you know you're in flow it's all cruisy mm. Mm. you know you you can see your thoughts you can see your emotions you feel super peaceful and then a day later a week later you just your head might be totally full sure and that's all right mm. there's no again there's no, this is well, i think what's important with this is it's something that is healthy for you mm. a little bit like making sure you've got the right nutrients going into your body mm. Mm. and so as long as you if you could just look at it that way as well that it's like it's a practice that is nutritious for us mm. on a mental health and emotional health clarity you know everything then it it makes it easier i think hopefully to just come back to and also the fact that mindfulness is such a broad term sure yeah that there are literally thousands of i mean meditation has been going for something like 5000 years 2000 years depending on which reports you read sure <laughs> um but it's th there's more than just meditation to mm. mindfulness and like exercise Find stuff that works for you. Find stuff that you enjoy. If you're not a gym goer and you, and you, and you sign up for the gym, you know, you're the one making the money because you're one of those many people that sign yeah. up, go for the first week and never turn up again. And it's the same thing. Like, but you, you may not be a gym goer. You may be a walker or you may be a swimmer or you may be something else. Mm. So, so just test and play. Have fun with it. And also know that, again, that, that will change by seasons as well. Yep. And, yep. and so I think it's really important just to have fun and just, play with stuff that, and find stuff that works for you but also then just keep your mind open to other stuff that might come in as well and, and, and give that a go 100% the um, the the seasons you know I used to be uh, sort of really into my triathlon and was you know racing Ironmans and, and all the rest of yeah. it and you know, seasons of life change and i can't imagine training for an event like that at the moment with us <laughs> you know with with a with an eight-week-old in the in the, in the house and some people do and, and mm. they, they make it work and they prioritize that and that's you know that, that that's that's their life and, yeah. and you know how they how they choose to organize it um but the uh yeah the the, the awareness of, of things shifting and the 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 kind of proof of the pudding is almost in the longevity itself of of the practices so you look at a practice that's been around for thousands of years and people have been getting value from um in the in the human condition for thousands of years um you know if crossfit is still around in in <laughs> the next thousand <laughs> yes. years i'm not hating on crossfit i'm not i'm not one of those guys more more power to anyone and, and whoever however they want to move um and I've had the same experience, you know, I used to, I uh, still do from time to time, but coach athletes and mm. the amount of people who come up and say, oh, I want to get into running, but I hate it. I'm like, well, yep. go, that, go play lacrosse then, play yeah. tennis. So <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's, no, there's no law that says you have to run. Well, and also running can mean something so different to so many different people. Sure, yeah. It's yeah. Running um, can be five minutes and you can feel better. You know, like Absolutely. I, Nayeli, my beautiful partner, has been working crazy hard in these last months because she's uh, an incredible mental health, preventative mental health company that delivers mm. digitally. Mm. So, mm. of course, there's a lot of demand for their services right now. Sure. And so she she's naturally been drawn to be at the computer a lot. And 
so I keep talking to her about, well, let's get out, do some exercise, you know, and 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 wasn't so long ago, about a week or so ago, we went out and we literally went for five minutes. Mm. Like, mm. it could have been maybe four or five blocks, which happened, we're lucky enough, happened to pass the ocean, all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't actually matter. But by the time we got back, she just looked at me and she's like, oh my gosh, like I'm so ready for the next few hours. Mm. I feel so much better. Mm. Mm. Like I've got more energy for work, but also I just feel better anyway because I was just getting depleted. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah, I mean, running is is like a mindfulness practice is, is you don't have to sit in a lotus position for three hours no. to be meditating. No, no. You can, I, like I love what I kind of look at as micro moments of presence. Mm. Mm. And, um, and I used to do this a lot in the workspace. I mean, at one point in time, a couple of years ago, I was, I was running a company, I was writing a novel, mm. I was doing a consultancy, uh, running a consultancy company at the same time as well. And so attention and energy was really important for me. And so when I was in, based in Milson's Point, I would, um, I would go out at least six times a day. And actually, the, the more times I did it, the the better my work became mm. to go out for two or three minutes leave my phone mm-hmm. and go for a walk and just breathe and look around and and so two or three minutes can be transformative and the, and then the cumulative effect of the cumulative effect of having two or three or four or five or six of those mm. I, like I noticed in myself if I didn't do it as well mm-hmm. I I um. Yeah, like my level of clarity, my ability to adapt to situations, my empathy levels would drop. Mm. All that stuff that's really important in work um, just was enhanced by the smallest drops, one or two minutes. Drawing another analogy from the world of sport, the the concept of greasing the groove is uh, is is one I've heard. You know, that you haven't got time for a full workout. Well, you know, just drop and do a push up whenever you've mm-hmm. got time. You know, do the as you walk through this particular door, do a pull up, and by the end of the day, you've um, you, you know you've accumulated those um, those reps, so yep. to speak. So yeah, um, something you you pointed to in in your in your story about that that micro run that that four minute run there and and passing by nature i know that's one of the uh, one of the practices mm-hmm. in your um in, in your book and what is it and we spoke about this a little bit at the start of the podcast uh, it, it seems to be you know common to the human condition ja- there's a phrase in japan uh, forest bathing which I, yeah. I, I think is a i think is a lovely expression yes. um what it, what is it about nature do you think that that has has such a profound effect and, and demonstrable effect on on our on our on our states okay so i'm going to talk about this from a non-scientific perspective sure yeah yeah it's just my own lived experience mm. um but for me, nature is a place that drops me into just being in the moment. Mm. So if I think about a moment in nature, um, nature has no demands on us. Right? So, mm. so it's not taking from us. Mm. Mm. And to, to be around trees and plants and grass and water and all these sorts of things, they draw us into just the wonder of being in the moment. Mm. A little bit like... Mm. Um, a little bit like the puzzle is that nature draws us into these like the tiniest moments mm. like mm. you might be walking past you know a house and a garden in springtime and the flowers might be flowering mm. and there might be a bee pollinating and so nature could will draw you into just watching that bee 
and it might again might just be for a f- most fleeting moment mm. but that again stills our our busy mind which is replenishing in its own right and then also it's just a beautiful thing to watch sure. and then we might then the other senses might kick in and we might smell the flowers yeah or we might like maybe even hear the buzzing of the bee and so i think that um nature just for me it naturally draws me into our into my into our natural state and you'll know this from having a, a, a little one when we're born we're born present mm-hmm. and we're just there like and, and children are amazing at this you know sure. when they, like when you've got a little baby and they look at you they're really looking at you really looking at and you and so they invite you into that space as well mm, mm. and so our, our inner nature is to be present and to be full of love mm. and nature by definition helps do that like it draws our nature and and nature together combine to draw us into presence and just a love of the moment you know we just you just end up in awe i mean mm-hmm. there's the big stuff that you can talk about like i was you know st- i was out for a surf with with ayana last week and whales started coming up and then dolphins came up and of course you're just sitting there and you're just in complete awe and you're like like there's love and gratitude and like you're just you're just beaming sure um but you don't need the big stuff for that you know and and that's the thing i really i really like as well as a practice is getting more and more and more into like the the micro moments Mm -hmm. rather than searching for the big sunrise sure because every sunrise is different so if you're going to start to grade them you're going to (laughs) start to deplete your experience (laughs) of them yeah yeah so just come right down to the smallest moments which might you know for me in a sunrise might just be just watching how one strand of light just comes through a cloud or something you know or it might be just feeling the rock that i'm sitting on yeah um and i think all of this stuff just helps draw us right into the moment and in the moment is where all the magic happens because when we're in our mind we're either in future or past state right yeah yeah and and so i think nature is probably um, our, one of our greatest guides, children too, but nature's sometimes more peaceful than children um, at doing it, <laughs> is one of our greatest guides of bringing us into a state of presence, which mm. just tops us up and just fills us with like awe and wonder. My pet theory on that is that it, it's perhaps the juxtaposition, that it's the agendalessness of nature, or maybe not agendalessness, but the, 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 the organic agenda of nature. Um, as juxtaposed with a with a man-made environment where you walk around a city and the the buildings the signs the um the the the, the you know the the lights the crossings the people um it, it puts us in a in a reactive mode because a lot of that wants something from us it wants our attention it wants our custom it wants our it wants something whereas nature wants typically nothing from us or maybe to eat us sometimes um but (laughs) but it it wants nothing and i think i think there's a there's a real different quality in in being in an environment that wants nothing from you than being an environment that explicitly wants things (laughs) from you yeah for sure for sure i mean that kind of comes back to a little bit of technology and as well i i I don't know what the latest numbers are as to how many tens of thousands of messages we receive every day Mm. Uh, neither do I, but uh, and, a, a lot. <laughs> and, and if they're being created by a business, there's a need state behind that, right? They're trying to yeah. get you to do something or think something or act in a certain way. And so, yeah, man-made environments take from us often. 
whereas pure natural environments they don't like i said earlier they don't ask anything of us in mm. fact they fill us up because they draw us into the wonder of of each moment that yeah. we're there with them yeah and it's, and it's we can all do it yeah we can do it whether it's a walk uh, you know around here like you were saying with your beautiful little family we can do it if you're just in a city apartment and i talked with friends in new york and just the ability just to even just look up mm. you know look up and and, and see the <coughs> the sky and the clouds and just take that in for a moment there, there's something on a I, I heard and this this rang true as well on a on a quite a, a sort of a practical basis about being in city environments is um our far-sightedness we're, we're we're literally almost never looking more than um a few hundred meters um ahead of us like our you know we're in we're in a courtyard environment now and i, I you know apart from looking up at the sky i i can't i can't see more than yeah. a few hundred meters in a couple yeah. hundred meters in any direction and you know if you live in a city that's your that's your life and uh, the, again the difference if you you know you're in a you, you go to the mountains or you go to a you know woodland area the the ability to see for for distances it just exercises literally a different uh, you know a different function yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, can you know even that can cause a cause a shift in a shift in perception absolutely yeah, it's a lovely way of, of looking at it and of course i mean science does tell us that when you're out in nature, all of your stress hormones reduce, mm. and all of the good stuff starts to kind of come back as well from a from a chemical and hormonal perspective as well. So, um, yeah, plenty of benefits. I mean, it's a place that I I love, and I spend more and more time in because I know that it it helps me bring more to all of those other three aspects of my life that I kind of break it down into, which is work, relationship, and and creating my own life. Mm. You know, it enables me to get quiet. Mm. from the distraction so i can really feel and start to get clarity on what it is i want to be doing in this next moment and mm. in this next season and it enables me to also then be undistracted but also bring back some of that energy and some beautiful story to nayeli or to my children or to whoever i'm with who i love mm. that stops the conversation being about what did you do today or yeah. like or like how was work or something you know, it brings in other dimensions and you get to share because sharing is not just about speaking. So when we're going out and we're doing something that we really enjoy mm. and it could be play or it could be nature, it could be, it could be both playing in nature, but any of these things, when you start recounting that to someone, they're feeling it. Like mm. they're, they're reliving a part of that experience because of all of the nonverbal communication, the energetic communication that's going on as well. Mm. So when I go out into nature, I get clear on who I want to be. I, get, I bring more of myself back and more joy back to the people that I love most. Mm. And again, it brings me so much more clarity for when I'm running or leading a business or helping people try and solve problems, which is a huge part of what the business world is whether mm. that's an external problem with customers or an internal problem with culture sure. or, or how do we do this by and minimize impact etc all that sort of stuff the um i completely subscribe to that you know one of the uh, i i love um oh, we spoke about jim jim Dethmer mm. and, and the conscious leadership institute their their you know their work and um 
his his uh, his model of you know are you above the line or below the line um, is is one that I use in organisations quite a lot because it, it's it's sort of brutal, brutally simple but at the same time infinitely deep. Yeah. Um, but just the distinction between the content and the context. Um, so the you know the the content of what we're doing is the is the practical tactical strategy. You know what are we doing in the world and um, and we don't discount that right. We 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 transcend and include that because we're we're you know monks in the world i think was a phrase alan watts uh mm-hmm. oh, I, I certainly stole it from alan watts mm-hmm. um but you know we're, we're not on the side of a, a hill um you know in a lotus position arming 24 hours a day <laughs> no. we're we're running companies and yeah. we're we're coaching people and and leading organizations whatever we're doing so how do you engage with the content of your life more more skillfully and more effectively and it's by looking at the context which is how you run yourself your 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 beliefs your perceptions your values your your human operating system like uh, and i think in the uh, in your experiences is the is the sort of is corporate um in australia becoming more um amenable to looking at that um, or do you still have to, or are you still having to sneak the vegetables in with the sauce? <laughs> I, I, I find I'll let you answer before I yeah. <laughs> share my experience of that. Well, so um, well that which brings me back to Jim Deathmore as well. He has a great phrase, which is he describes himself as a smuggler, doesn't he? Yes, and yes, he does. And he yeah. smuggles a lot of this stuff into places that wouldn't normally subscribe to it or be open to it. Yep. Um, but I've definitely. Um, Look, I've definitely, in my experience, there's been um, some some important steps in the right direction mm. in many of the, the corporates that I've been lucky enough to be involved with. Um, I would suggest that they'd need to be walking that direction for them to even be open to talk to me. So I'm, sure. I, I, yeah. I, I, can't, yeah. I can only see what I can see yeah. from yeah. that perspective. Yeah, that's, that's very fair. Um, if, if, if they've looked at your website and heard you speak, <laughs> yeah, then no, no. And yeah, yeah. the door is closed. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Um, but I've been, in, I've been in places that 10 years ago, you know, like mm. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily have thought I would be in. Um, mm. With John on the team, we were in, um, in Combank, Mm. Around are you okay day and doing yeah yeah beautiful effectively mindfulness sessions and workshops but just to help people de-stress mm. you know and mm. and then some keynotes and those sorts of things um, so to be in you know in the, in in the in the big four banking world um, as well as other places um, shows that there is there there is some really positive movement that's going on mm. um, Lena. Who I know you had on the show mm. a little while ago. Mm. I bumped into her yesterday morning. Oh, beautiful! And um, we were talking about a role which is a, a head of head of wellness. Mm. You know, so so, and I was she was when she was explaining it to me. Um, I said, I, you know, I, I said something like that's 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 really beautiful. And she asked what was beautiful, and I was like, well, that an organisation is investing in a full time headcount mm. in that space because mm. there's one thing to bring in external let's just say consultants guides whatever you want to call them facilitators sure. yep around a once a year event or something that's still really nice and it's an important step but it's as we know from a business perspective both culturally and economically to invest in that and say to your people that this is important for us 
we've employed a, it's, yeah. a, a heavy hitting yeah. you know individual with a decent salary and we're literally investing That's in it. this and you and, and it was a decent sized company sure and yeah, it, yeah you know in the it space it yeah. was um so it's not you know it's not it's not patagonia no who i love no. but who you would expect to be doing that sort of yeah, stuff yeah. necessarily but um so i think that there has been some some important um steps in the right direction or in, in, a, in, in a more healthy direction mm. and health I think has been one of the big drivers mm. so I think the mental health crisis as it's termed has been a major driver mm. Mm. Um, you know and so businesses will look at things both in terms of their culture and the health of their employees but also economically and, mm. and so absenteeism as a result of mental health challenges and issues and stress and anxiety etc is a major one mm. So I, I delivered a I delivered a keynote last year, and um, not just absenteeism, but I forget the figure now. But the the cost of the Australian economy of presenteeism, so being in work but being <laughs> being nice. being so fatigued and so yeah. uh, so you know run down, ill, burnt out, whatever it might be, that you're not actually doing that you're not actually doing anything. Doing anything. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't heard that term before the research no. either, and I was. Uh, yeah, but it's it's just as big a cost as absenteeism. And I'm sure um, it is. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So I think um, I think kind of to to round that kind of question off, I think business is is definitely moved forwards in the last ten years. Mm, mm. Um, and I, I really like that um, there's sort of an awakening of leaders, and there's also a new generation of leaders that are coming through that are more open, mm. you know, to to really just being inquisitive about how do we run the most inspiring, happy, healthy, productive, and profitable place to come to work. You know, it's kind of like in part a little bit like the conscious capitalism you know, model and movement and those yeah. sorts of things. But yeah. just there's, there's there's been so much good stuff that's been out in the business world yeah. um, that people can get access to. That I think that it's that all of that is is starting to help move it in the right direction. It, the the sort of level of altitude of consciousness of, of of sort of organizations in in the in you know in in countries like Australia um, has been at that you know the level of modernity for quite a while. So scientific, rational, measurable KPIs, strategy, planning, and we are seeing this this kind of accelerated emergence now into into kind of the next to borrow from Ken Wilber and the and Frederick Lelou's work, I suppose, directly with organisations in you know his reinventing organisations book, which is fantastic. Mm. But the organisations more moving into green or, or teal organisations explicitly with the likes of Patagonia, um, and. Conversely, though, there we're seeing. Uh, we talked about technology as a, um, you know, as a as a potential, um, or it's a double-edged sword. It's been an enabler, I think, of, of the uptake of this kind of thing. When you when you see the studies that have done that are being done on mindfulness and meditation that that show, you know, across the board benefits to health, productivity, happiness. Um, I'm reading um, Shinzen Young's book, The Science of Enlightenment, at the moment. Yeah, right, okay. um, yeah, which is which is fantastic, but just points to some 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 really great you know stats, facts, figures. So if you're talking to your um, you know your scientific rational mm-hmm. friends. Um, 
I like to get people at the start of workshops to do a you know nice big a few conscious breaths just to just to just to arrive at the at the place and then yeah. I always kind of throw the frame in afterwards. It's like don't don't worry, there's some science there. Where you're activating your parasympathetic <laughs> nervous system and it's been well. <laughs> I mean that's what language does, isn't it? Language sure. helps you. It's a bridge to connect, you know. And um, yeah, yeah. Like just coming back to your point around technology, it's a tool. Sure, yeah, isn't it? It's um, it's a great tool that's been invented. And I think if we're conscious about how we use that in how we in the life that we want to craft, then it's a great tool. Yeah. You know, it has some amazing, amazing benefits to it. Well, we couldn't be here having this having this wonderful conversation that we're sharing with you without all of this <laughs> yeah. cameras and cables and <laughs> all yep. this jazz. Um Alan I'm mindful of uh, mindful of our time today, and I don't want to keep you for uh, for too much longer. But um, if I may, just offer up some some rapid fire rapid fire questions. Go for it. Um, yeah, yeah. The the questions are rapid fire. Your answers don't don't have to be. <laughs> uh, um, what do you What do you obsess about on evenings and weekends when you're when you're not thinking about mindfulness and presence and things of that nature? <laughs> um. Well, so the first thing is I don't think about mindfulness or presence mm, mm. Um, <laughs> too much. Yeah. Um, what do I obsess about? I don't obsess too much. I used to be really obsessive. Right. Uh, you know, like goal orientated. Um, but the things I love, if that's the, a little reframe for that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Is um, is nature, mm-hmm. connection with nature. Yep. Um, my routine Generally, if we can talk about weekend routine, but it, it looks like I wake up early, I go and sit on the rocks, I watch the sunrise, and I just am always blown away. Um, do a little meditation at that point. Usually come back and wake up Ayana, who's my 15-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. We'll get in the water and have a surf, which I just, like that, that every time I dip my head in the ocean, everything washes off. Mm. You know, I come out of, I come out a better person every time. So, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a big love for me. Um, and then um, the day will then often focus around with Noah, who's my 12-year-old boy, and with Nayeli, my lovely partner. We all love nature, so we'll, we, we, we don't pre-plan stuff. Mm. So we then sit down and work out what we want to do in the day, but generally it will always revolve around some kind of adventure mm. in, in nature. Mm. And, and so... Yeah, if we were to say obsession, then it would be it would be just nature, hmm. you know, and just just getting out and living in it, and experiencing it, and learning from it, and just connecting deeper and deeper with the people I love most. Beautiful. In it. Um, what uh, you can answer this in one or two ways? Uh, are there any books or resources that have either really really impacted your your life or your work? Or anything you're you're kind of reading at the moment, or looking forward to reading that you're that you're excited about. Wow, that could be a huge long list. Sure. <laughs> and I have a memory of a goldfish, or at least the stereotype of a goldfish. <laughs> like I love reading, yeah. firstly, um, and um, I might just talk about a, or just mention a book that I, I, I have just finished that sure. I, that, that, that um, was fantastic and it was called Sand Talk Sand Talk Sand Talk by okay. um, First Nations guy called 
Tyson Junkterporter, and Tyson, I'm sorry if I've pronounced your surname <laughs> wrongly, but it's um, it's a beautiful book. It's like it's like you know when someone's writing and you feel like you're sitting around the campfire with them mm. as they're kind of just unpacking wisdom. Mm. That's one of these. Okay. And it just jumped off the shelf at me. I had, I had no knowledge of Tyson. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was yeah in a bookstore and it just jumped into my hands basically. Okay. And it's, so it's well worth a read. It's, um, it sort of helps people understand how indigenous or First Nations culture and wisdom in this country can help be a really positive um, medicine mm. for a lot of the challenges that we're going through on an individual level uh, and on a community level and also mm. on an environmental level but done in a lovely beautifully accessible way okay yeah it's like a beautiful as they would say it's like a yarn you know you just, Great. yeah like a good campfire story and he draws on he travels around and he draws on all this wisdom from all these amazing old characters and people. yeah it's, right yeah it's well it's a it's a Okay, it's I'll a beautiful look, book. I'll look that up and yeah. I'll uh, I'll pop that and along with everything else we sort of mm. touched on today in the in the in the show notes as well. So if you're listening, you can you can yep. head over there and get and a I, link. I'll, I'll, I can um, I'll pop you an email if you want with four or five other you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's a that's a reason for people to go to the website and yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and have a look. But yeah, the yeah check that out. That'd be great. Thank yeah. you. Um, Alan, any final thoughts? Anything you want to leave our audience with? And um, where can people find you? I'm, I'm mindful we didn't get through all all ten or eleven <laughs> of your your points, but people can download the uh, download the book. Uh, so where where can people find you? Where can yeah. people find the book? And any final words or thoughts? Yeah. So the book and and um, which is called Creating Peace in an Uncertain World. It's currently actually on my website, um, which is easy. It's my name, alanreva.com. Um, and it's where kind of most of my stuff is right now. Um, and there's a kind of a blog on there and, and I, I do an, um, a bi-weekly email. Um, I got your email this morning. Ah, great. <laughs> um, and that's really just about hopefully stuff that's kind of like drops of goodness. The stuff mm. that, you know, just, just stuff, to t- again, to take you out of your busyness and just reflect on either people or organizations, charities that are doing amazing work or just some stuff that might help along life's rich journey. Mm. Um, and, and the book is, um, it's an e-book right now um the, and it's four dollars and all 100 of the, the the profits go to charities that was a big part of it so beautiful lifeline um and lifeline northern beaches um from a mental health perspective uh, stitch in time which is an amazing um organization over in wa working in mental health in the kind of sort of teenage through to 25 year mm. old uh, bracket a lot of it in the rural area and then also when you buy a book you um the money goes towards um reforesting our beautiful country mm. after the fires mm. that seem to have been forgotten um how you know, quickly COVID. So how quickly we move on i know yeah. i know yeah and there's an am- amazing little organization called reforest now okay um up just outside of byron mm. and they're really focusing on one of the areas that really needs help is other rainforests so the rainforests just they don't um recover as well from fires where mm. as, uh, because they don't have the large seed pods and all sorts of other stuff that goes on where fire is not such a natural part of the cycle right in rainforest right. okay but they, they they pass through that area um malambimbian outside there so they're really focusing on yeah re- replanting and helping regrow 
the um the important rainforest that we have up there so great worthy yeah, work yeah and so so yeah it's the price of a coffee was always the plan for it and then it, all, the, all the other money goes to all the lovely friends like it was such a great lovely experience because after i wrote it it needs to be illustrated as you've seen mm. kept it simple and all that sort of stuff and it's a beautiful book it's it's, it's such a it's, it's such a joyful little read isn't like, it it's yeah. a, some some um, and I just love, so Sam Boyle, who's a great friend on the Boyle Designs, who designed it. Um, great name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just perfect. Uh. But um, Sam, you know, like, like most people in, in that industry, had a huge drop off of work. Sure. You know, when yeah. COVID happened. Of course. Significant. And he's got a family and a mortgage and everything. Yep. And um, I've known Sam for, for a long time. And when I told him about the book, without, hesi- without a moment's hesitation, <coughs> you know, he said, he said, oh, I'll do it, mate. And, you know, I'll do it for free. I just love to be a part of the journey, you know. And so, like, just that generosity was so lovely. So, um, and then another friend who helped with updating the website and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So, um, any of the money that doesn't go to the charities in terms of the, because 100% of the profits go to the charity, the rest of it goes to Sam and to Techie and everyone else that gave their time for free to help. That's great. Basically, the crew that brought it into reality. So, um, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And we'll we'll link to their websites in the show notes yeah, as well. So if you want if you want to flick those the over, charities we'll, um, and Sams and everyone's. And yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Alan, thank you so much. Oh. Um, this has been a treat, and uh, maybe if you're up for it, we could do a do a round two at some point to. as well. Cover the other five, um, <laughs> <laughs> or not. And there'll be plenty more too. No, yeah, I'd love to. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Same. So okay. Thank you so much, and have a beautiful day. Yeah. And to all you listening at home, be um, well. And that's it for another episode. If you got value from that conversation, there are several ways you can support the show. You can tell a friend. That's the most direct and meaningful way. You can give us a rating or a comment on iTunes or Spotify. And if you're interested in engaging in a dialogue about anything you heard on the show today or anything else related to conscious leadership, coaching, facilitation, program design, uh, you can find me at philcross.net and all the links to relevant social media pages or my contact information you can find there. And finally, you can help by engaging with our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Gone Bush Adventures. And if you're on a mission to create more natural, enriching, meaningful, professional development experiences and events for your leaders and teams, then Gone Bush Adventures are the people for you. With a team of experienced facilitators, presenters, nature guides and learning consultants, they exist to walk alongside leaders and organizations towards a new vantage point of performance, culture and well-being. And, you know, the the ad read aside, one of the reasons why I'm proud to have Gombush as a sponsor is uh, I feel a real alignment with them, the work they do, the approach they take to uh, professional development and leadership development and the setting they do it in as well. They uh, host retreats in, you know, some of Australia's most most beautiful places. Uh, So if if that sounds up your alley, um, go to gombushadventures.com.au and if you... uh, feel moved to engage them just mention the podcast um, because it's always nice to to get that kind of feedback okay until next time stay well